For some context, I'm a 32-year-old female, and this happened to me when I was about 25 or 26. I work full-time as a researcher at a university, which is where these encounters took place. I'm not a professor or anything, and because of my age at the time, I could have easily been mistaken for just another student wandering around campus. On some days, when the weather was nice, I would prefer to spend my lunch hour strolling around the university grounds outside or sitting underneath a shady tree on a bench, enjoying the time I was not sitting in a cramped corner of a lab. On one of these days, I was sitting on a bench enjoying the fresh air, and a male student walking by asked if he could sit next to me. I'm a pretty shy and awkward kind of person, so even though I really would have preferred sitting alone, I said, sure. He initiated simple conversation, to which I obliged, but I was careful not to be too forthcoming. He mentioned he had seen which department building I came and went from, which slightly alarmed me given I had never seen this person before in my life, but I pushed the thought from my mind. After all, the weather had been decent lately, and I had spent nearly all my lunch hours for the past week outside. He asked if I was studying within the mentioned department, to which I told him that I was not a student, but rather I worked there. He told me he was an engineering student, and then followed up with asking me out to coffee sometime. I apologized, told him that I had a boyfriend, and would have to decline. We parted ways after that, and I assumed I probably wouldn't see him around again. About a week or two went by, and I was spending another lunch hour outside on campus, sitting on a different bench somewhere. Seemingly out of nowhere, the same man from before asked if he could sit next to me again. Admittedly, I don't remember what he started talking to me about at first. My mind was reeling, and I was rather uncomfortable having to potentially turn this guy down for a second time. Sure enough, he asked me again if we could go out for coffee. I apologized and reminded him that I had a boyfriend and would not be meeting him for coffee. And again, he left after that. I was feeling rather anxious now, but it still hadn't reached a level where I felt I had to be too concerned. A few days later, I had finished work and was leaving the building to walk to where I had parked my car. The university charges a fortune for parking passes, even if you're employed by them, so I had always opted for free street parking about a 10 minute walk away from campus. My walking route would take me down several quiet residential streets with minimal car traffic. Even pedestrian traffic was pretty sparse on the busiest of days. It wasn't until I was about halfway to my car, down one of these quiet back streets, that I noticed someone walking directly across the street from me, but keeping a few paces behind. I noticed him from my peripheral vision, and didn't want to flat out turn around to stare at him. It wasn't uncommon to see someone else by any means. I was just always trying to be aware of my surroundings when walking the streets alone. I had to make a few turns coming up anyways, and the chance that they would be going the same way as me was slim. But he did. He made all the turns I did, still walking on the sidewalk across from me, a few steps behind. I still did not want to look at whoever this was. I didn't want him to know that I was aware of what I thought he was doing. I quickened my pace to a speedy walk. I was approaching the first of two busier streets before I would reach my car. His pace quickened to keep up with me. That was the moment that I panicked. The moment I was sure that he was indeed following me. After that, I started a full-out jog to cross the first of the busier streets. He ran to keep up behind me, and was now on the same side of the street I was. I was now nearly at my car. I had to cross the last busy street and get about a hundred meters, and I would be there. But it was crossing the street that worried me. 
I often had to stop and wait a good minute or so before it was clear enough to do this. If this were the case, he would surely catch up with me. As if the stars aligned, as soon as I made it running to the busy street, I had a gap to cross. I booked it as fast as I could, finally turning around once I had made it, to look and yell at the man who had been pursuing me. And it was him. I suspected it the whole time, but now it was confirmed. It was the engineering student whom I had turned down for coffee. Stop following me, I yelled at him from across a busy street. Can I just talk to you? He yelled back. I didn't even answer. I mean, the answer should have been obvious from the start, and I was certainly never going to give my time to anyone who had just followed and then chased me for about a kilometer. I keep moving quickly to my car, so determined to get the hell out of there, I didn't even care if he saw which car was mine. He had given up following me and never tried to cross the road, to my relief. I got home and broke down. I mean, worse things had happened to other people, no doubt, and I was not harmed, fortunately. But I was shaken. I had some anxieties walking to and from work after that. It wasn't long before a coworker and I would walk most of the distance back to our cars together after work. I even changed where I started parking for a time. A few weeks had passed since the incident, and I had not seen him around campus at all. I had started spending my lunches in the lab instead of going outside, but occasionally I would go to the student center to buy lunch instead. This one particular day, the food court in the student center was packed, almost shoulder to shoulder. I was standing in line at a burger stall, and I heard a guy try and get someone's attention through the crowd. I look up, and it's him again, waving to me and trying to make his way through the people. I panicked, and even though I'm a terribly shy human being, I started a scene and yelled at him to leave me the fuck alone. His face dropped instantly as people just stared at us, and he slinked back into the sea of students. My heart was pounding, and I was shaking. I don't even remember if I ended up getting food after that. I went back to work, and from then on, was even more focused on my surroundings than I ever was before. It's been five or six years since then, and I still work at the university. I am so relieved to say I never saw him again after the food court and haven't had any other harrowing accounts on campus. I am still diligent about being aware of my surroundings, especially when I have to walk to and from campus alone. I never asked this guy's name, so I couldn't even report an incident to campus police or anything. All in all, I'm just glad I never saw him again, and I can only hope he never did this to any other girl before or after me. When I was 18, my boyfriend Jake and I spontaneously decided to go to Canada to go bar hopping. It was a few hours away from our home, so we made the trip. After getting settled in at the hotel, we went to the first bar. We had a drink and then went in search of a new bar. Jake and I were chatting and walking when a man in a big puffy coat stopped and introduced himself as Ian. He noticed we were speaking English and invited us to go bar hopping with him. Turned out, Ian only lived a few hours away from us, so there was already a connection. After a few bars, we met up with two of his friends and went to the strip club. Ian paid to get us into the club, and then for drinks with a huge wad of cash. I had never seen that much before. We started talking about weed, and Ian invited us to his hotel room to smoke. I had had way too much to drink at that point, 
nearly having to excuse myself to puke after just one puff. Luckily, Jake wasn't that drunk, and we both eventually made our way back to the hotel. What a crazy night. The next morning, after a hangover breakfast, we were walking to our car to leave when all of a sudden, Ian and his friends start calling out our names. We all remarked how strange it was to run into each other again. Ian invited us all for a smoke at his friend's house this time. Not gonna lie, it was a shady-looking, run-down apartment. We smoked, and somehow the topic turned to how Ian makes so much money. Without directly saying it, I could tell he was into drug smuggling, possibly over the border. Ian suggested that I could make some good money doing the same, and my heart dropped. I immediately felt uncomfortable. Not just uncomfortable, but uncomfortable and unsafe. I needed to get out of that apartment, that city, that country. Jake looked over and saw how freaked out I was and silently agreed without saying a word. We casually played it off like, yeah, okay, like he was joking, but Ian's friends started nodding their heads, suggesting where I can hide it. Jake gave Ian his real phone number, why, I'll never know, and we said our goodbyes as we had a long drive ahead of us. Jake is driving, and shortly after we take off, we see Ian's car behind us. Very weird. We make a few turns, got a little lost, and he was still there. Jake made a few more erratic turns just to lose him. We both did not have a good feeling about Ian anymore. Finally, we made it across the border with no Ian in sight, and it was just a weird drive home from then on. A week or two later, Ian called up Jake on the phone. I have absolutely no clue what was said, but I know we never picked up a call from him again. Maybe it was a close call, maybe not, but I got that deep, gut-sinking feeling that something bad was going to happen if we were in Ian's presence any longer. So I encourage everybody, whether you're in your home country or another, listen to your gut feelings. When I was a young girl, somewhere between five and eight, a distant family member who was supposedly well-loved died, and one of his last wishes was for his final celebration of life to take place at his childhood home. His son, DJ, decided to respect these wishes and contacted the current owner of the house to ask if a small gathering could be hosted on the premises and entirely outside. As far as DJ and everyone else could tell, the homeowner was kind and understanding and agreed, offering to help out, but being clear on boundaries and such. Fast forward to the event itself. My family is arriving, I'd say around three in the afternoon, and I have this horrible, anxious feeling deep in my stomach that I just can't shake. I mention it to my mom, saying something silly that I probably heard on TV about my gut feeling, and my parents shrug it off, telling me it's fine and to come on. I trust my parents, so I step out of the car, all dressed in a cute dress and layered in cheap plastic jewelry, think Mardi Gras beads, that I proudly chose myself to appear formal for this serious occasion. My mom, my dad, and I all walk towards the backyard, aiming towards the right-hand side of the house as the inside was off-limits due to it being private property, when a man busts out of the front door, holding a bat. This isn't a toy bat. It's not meant to be something that would occupy children. It's not a normal bat at all. 
No, this man bursts out of his front door, screams at everyone, talking about how horrible we are and how our family is disgusting, all while gripping a beat-up baseball bat full of nails. Immediately, I panic, and my fight-or-flight kicks in. Flight in this case. I make a beeline to our old blue car that I only just got dragged out of by my dad. I jump in and slam the door behind me, panicking with tear-blurred vision and an incredibly upset stomach when I look out the window to see that man. This man who made the quick decision to target an elementary-aged little girl as he took a swing at the car and hit the area right above the back tire, creating the loudest, most horrendous crash I'd heard, as well as leaving one of the largest dents that I've seen to this day. My dad, who took what felt like five hours, but was probably only five steps behind this man, pushes him away and jumps in, my mom following quickly behind. We speed away from the house and back home, not mentioning a thing except for how proud of me they were for running and that they'll listen to me if I ever have that horrible gut feeling like something is wrong again. I do remember my parents looking in the mirror and glancing over their shoulder a little bit more during that drive. I wonder now if that man gave chase. My family never openly discussed this event with me around again, but when I asked my mom what happened years later, she explained that the man decided to do an internet search on DJ and found his estranged criminal brother's rap sheet on Google and decided that this was evidence enough to attack a family during a wake with a nailed baseball bat. I don't really know what life lessons come from this, except even on the darkest days, be ready for things to get just a little bit darker. <laughs>